listening to The Three Dumb Yanks, a podcast reviewing the weekend premiere league action for longtime fans and new fans alike. Catch these clueless colonials cackling and casting copious cringy calls concerning current occurrences on the crusade for the cup or the trophy or whatever. You get it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Three Dumb Yanks. I am John. And I'm John. And I'm most certainly not John. And I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What would you little boys like for Christmas? Oh, whoa, Santa. I I want a new soccer ball, Santa. Well, okay, little boy. And what about you two? Uh, I'd just like to say to our listeners at home that this is now something I can never unsee. Well, our listeners at home can't see it, so that's probably better because they won't. You won't have ruined Christmas for them. <laughs> okay. Well, y- yes, and Eugenio. Yes, and yes. you know. If I That's say right. I'm Santa Claus, I'm fucking Santa Claus. All right. Yes, Santa. It's an it's an audio format. People don't know. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. That voice you're hearing, everybody, that is our guest for this week. John, would you like to take a, a minute to tell us about our guest? Oh, sure. Um, so today we've got Eugenio Playa, who uh, Eugenio is a friend of ours. And you know what, Eugenio, why don't you tell us about yourself? I, I see why someone gave you a little bit of crap about introductions here, because you're really just throwing me to the wolves. Uh, so. No, see, this is me avoiding that, because I actually introduced her and was like, this is this person, and this is how I know them, and she gave me shit, so I'm doing the opposite this week. Uh, I'm just it's a work like, in progress. Yeah, no, I, I get this. it. I just want him, no- I want him to note that it didn't, it didn't really allow him to evade the shit getting. Oh, right. And this week on the podcast is a guy I know. Um, So I guess for those of you who do not know me, which is probably everybody listening to this podcast, I am Eugenio Playa. I am the chef of Barbudo right now where uh, John and John are gainfully employed. Um, (laughs) Work. work. Well, I mean, yes, it's it's been there's there's been quite a uh, a professional detente, I guess. Um, and I'm going to have to cut that out for the, so that I don't have to prove anything to the department of labor. Great. Perfect. (laughs) Anything, anything to keep your unemployment status. I get it, dude. Trust me. Um, uh, and I am, I'm also currently the, uh, the founder and co-creator of cooking with calzones, a weekly cooking live stream where we just get a bunch of ingredients, make some delicious food live on stream. Um, our whole thing is really, you know, nothing like a TV show. So no, here's one I made earlier, no script, no nothing. I just, I just make food for people on stream and my viewers can interact with me like live, ask questions suggest things and and you know we're just we're just starting to build this community of people that uh that really enjoy food um and cool yeah just kind of moving forward with that right now very nice it's a lot of fun i yeah i've seen a few of those streams and and they really are a good time and i mean obviously i i enjoy my time with eugenio um just because i enjoy his company but (laughs) Yeah, it's fun stuff. But let's talk about soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about soccer. Let's, let's start talking about that before we start talking about the company we share. 
Eugene, did you um did you grow up playing soccer at all? I my life has what does soccer mean to you. What is oh what my does god? Mean to you? What is what is I, soccer? I feel, to I feel you? like you're I feel like you're turning this question into one of those like college application essays. I, well, that's kind of what I want it to be because I mean, to a certain extent, I feel like this show is sort of turning into an interview show. And so I do kind of want to be like, what's the little corner of your heart that's filled by a soccer ball? I mean, honestly, that's what I thought it was the whole time. Nope. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand and say I missed the bill there. Uh, Soccer actually has had an incredible, a very big place in my life. I mean, I've played it since I was, I can't even remember how young five maybe four years old um i think there are definitely some pictures of, of you know that my parents have of me running around in that sort of rubble of small children that are all chasing oh, the ball where it yes. becomes just you know it's just like one enormous like pack moving around the hive field. yeah exactly. of children yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, just I, I played a blur of skin knees and high c <laughs> I, I didn't even have skin and knees, dude. My mom would make me wear like sweatpants if it wasn't like, Ooh. yeah. I was I was really the odd one out on most of to keep I, your muscles warm, yeah, you know, no, to exactly. keep to keep you fast. I know. I, I I played when I was a kid on a team with, with a guy like you. Yeah, I mean, there's always at least one. I had sweatpants the, I had the shorts on with sure. the sweatpants <laughs> under the shorts, and the sweatpants mm. were tucked into my soccer socks. Oh god! Yeah, no. Hey, your knees probably look a lot better than than mine right now. Dude, you look like you're about to go horse riding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, all I gotta say is I was resistance training before anyone knew it was a thing. Muscle confusion. I was confused the entire time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, I've been playing since I was very very young, and I played consistently throughout. Uh, grade school, middle school, very competitively through high school. Um, cool. And I actually tried out for Boston University's men's soccer team when I when I went there. Um, oh wow, that's awesome! It was. What'd you go to BU for? Uh, <laughs> nothing to do with hospitality or anything like that. I was a history major with a concentration in medieval studies. No kidding. Oh, uh, wow. Which really excited me that Manchester United and Leeds was playing this week because that is one of the most historically storied rivalries in all of English soccer. Uh, yes. But we can we can touch upon that later. But yeah, I was so it's kind of funny. I, I went to high school in Italy, and so like we were incredibly competitive about soccer there. And I mean, like, really, but like not in the same level as like the American competitive scene. Like, it's not like you played your high school team, your club team, you know, right. your parents drove you around, like, all that jazz. Yeah. I, I, oh wait, I, I got a question, because I, I genuinely don't know this. Is it the same kind of, is there a school team for yes. for soccer? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. Hmm. It's weird. It's it's much less structured than in, than in the U.S. Like, some schools have teams, but they're normally kind of, like, right. raggedy, just, like, hastily put together. Uh, if you're playing in a lot of Europe, actually, not just Italy... If you want to play seriously, you join your like your district's club team. Right. So like the area, the city you live in or the small town you live in will have a club team. And that's like that's where the serious talent sort of gets fostered. So gotcha. when I when I was living in in England, I played at school and the way that it worked for us, it was it was not a huge school, but it was big enough. Um, it was uh, St. Thomas A. Beckett Secondary School in Nottingham, England. It's a mouthful. Uh yeah, but like kind of like Harry Potter style, you know, there were houses. Mm-hmm. And so the like playing sports within the school, it was houses against other houses. 
you know yep. so yeah so like we i was on a team but like my team was for my house within the school and we would play the other the other Wait, house's now, teams now this is fascinating because i never knew this and this is great because you see a lot of these kids they get signed at 10 years old to, to go play for professional clubs so i always wondered where where are they finding these kids is it just some guy sitting on a park bench or i believe like and and john can correct me because he actually lived in the uk <laughs> But I, um, or JD, not JW. Um, I, I was nine, Eugenio. I don't know if I'll correct <laughs> hey, you. I that mean, much. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I believe the way it works is that, especially within the UK, I think less so outside of the UK, but especially in the UK, there are, there are boys, all boys schools that are, that are notorious for having, you know, these talented children come to their school to do certain things. Almost like a vocational, like a, like a vocational school, but, their vocation is soccer. Like they teach them all the subjects, but then you know right. that they're going to really hammer out very good soccer players. I mean, it's also right. not, it's not all that different to here in the yeah, United for States sure. with like pri- with private high schools, like recruiting kids for their football team or basketball team or whatever. Sure. I would imagine it's not super dissimilar. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's probably exactly the same. In fact, I think the United States is even more structured when it comes to what, what you were saying, Moody, about, you know, how are these younger, younger talented players being found at such, at such, you know, an early age? Well, yeah. and that's how I didn't become the ambassador to Sylvania. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> man, that's crazy. Oh, jeez. I was really taken aback about the, the, by the part with the turtle. Yeah. That really. Well, how else was I going to cross the Atlantic? Threw me for a loop. That brought me to right. tears, that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, we we had a little you. difficulty there. We're uh, we're back in the. Did game. you open another? Did you open another Miller? Yeah, Light I did. I, I've been having to go with what's on sale. We could talk about this during your next segment, but I've I've been having to. Oh, right. Been having to go with with what's on sale lately. I, I want to ask you, Jenny. What was your experience like trying out for Boston? Uh, a what were the tryouts a like? Shock back to reality because so again, like growing up in like going through like the European system for both school and sports. I didn't yeah. fully understand how much soccer had evolved in the United States in terms of like the ability of the athletes. So I came to BU, I tried out and be like, oh yeah, like it's it's university soccer in the US. It's not like I'm trying out for the football team. Well, actually BU right, didn't sure. have a football team. But it's not like I'm trying out for like a basketball team, you know, or like a like a, a sport in yeah, America that's an, an incredibly well developed institution, let's say. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm sure like I might not start, but I'll make the team. Like I, I had I had no, in my mind, there was no doubt that I was going to make this team. I I fully underestimated wow. how much soccer in the United States developed from like the year 2000 until the year 2005. My freshman year was 2005. Um, and I went in there and I, I got the pants whipped off of me, like absolutely wow. decimated. And it was awesome. I mean, like it was, so it's a, it was a week long camp. Um, sure. And it was like the first, and I, I wasn't recruited, but then again, I didn't know what recruiting meant. Like that's the thing, like that's even Fair, where yeah. my, my knowledge level was, right? Like I was, so you just walked right I, on. I tried yeah. to walk, but I didn't even know that that was walking on. I thought that that tryout was the tryout for the team. Um, that everybody was on uh, even, right. even. I didn't yeah. realize that there was like, obviously <laughs> I knew that there'd be like seniors and freshmen, juniors, but I didn't realize that. Right there were freshmen that were already technically on the team. I thought that every yeah. every freshman right. that was with me was like new guys trying to make the squad. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I was trying to walk on and it was it was intense. 
It was really intense. I made it to the last day of the... So, like, I made it through the camp, because obviously they make, they make awesome. cuts throughout the camp. So, I, like, I made it there. Sure. But that was on, like, I didn't, like, I never really, like, trained. I never, you know, sure. ran or lifted weights or did any of the things that now I realize in hindsight American high school students had been doing. I just kind of walked on, ran around, and played like I always knew how to play. And that right. was good enough to get me right. to the final day, and then I just got cut. Man, imagine if you had trained. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know, though, because these guys were very good. I was, I was floored. Yeah. And I got my butt kicked. I got my butt yeah. kicked for five days, and it was great. It was really, really yeah. cool. Um, and hmm. yeah, so That's end awesome. of the camp came. I didn't make the team. And I was a little bummed because I had these sort of like lofty but very ignorant expectations. Uh, and so I immediately pivoted and joined the rugby team. Nice. And mm. have been playing rugby ever since. So you went from I broke a... I the toe uh, playing rugby once. You went from a gentleman's game played by hooligans to a hooligans game played by gentlemen. Yeah, I couldn't... Honestly, I, I can't be happier about the fact that I didn't play a Division One sport during... Actually, technically, Boston University Rugby was Division One, but a, like that type of Division One sport. Yeah, like... Um, was, was it was it actually like sanctioned D one or like so, D one club? Uh, well, it's very the the way that rugby is structured in the United States for the at the collegiate level is very strange. Um, not strange. Uh, t- the, because of Title IX, um, not all NCAA sanctioned universities within the United States can field both a male and female team. So you that right. means you can't just have the male sport at the NCAA level and the female sport at quote unquote, the club level. Well, it's like, yeah, it just, it has right. to Everything equal has out to be equal, at the end, which the is perfectly understandable. Yeah. Um, and so every, no matter what division you are in the NCAA in rugby, you're always a club team. Right. So we were, hmm. we're te- we were technically a division one team, but we're still technically right. a club team, which is kind of cool though, because our, I mean, our funding's a little bit less, obviously, but you know, we would work with moving companies on the weekend to be able to pay for our travel and our coaches and stuff like so i mean like it was it was really something that we kind of built ourselves which is i mean you know or like not not my grade of people built myself but like all the clubs and this goes for every other university in the united states or whatever like it's just something you build and sustain yourself for the love of the game gives you more of a feeling of ownership that like like this jersey on my back like i moved someone's house to pay for like the jersey yeah that's awesome Um, yeah did you guys ever play uh sienna college no we, so we we were uh, in the Northeast Division. We would play, obviously, the other local Boston teams. So we'd play Harvard, Northeastern, um, UMass Amherst. Uh, we would go as far as Middlebury. Uh, that okay. was probably the furthest north we went. And the further we didn't really go that far. We never even went as south, far south as New York for our division. Oh, okay. Yeah, because oh, wow. Sienna's right outside Albany. My buddy. No, my that would have been, yeah, been a little far. Two buddies of mine, brothers, uh, one year older than, uh, I think you started in 2005 mm-hmm. college? Your freshman, yeah, that's when I started as well. So one one guy that's a year older than us, and uh, another brother that's two years or one year younger than us. They both played for a Siena rugby. It, it's an like honestly, and it is they tout it as the fastest growing sport in America, but I think it is really true in terms of the expansion of the sport itself. Uh, and I'm sorry, yeah. I'm derailing from the sport that you guys actually really want to talk about. Uh, no, not at all. It's it's a fantastic. It really is a sport that preaches discipline and togetherness more than anything that I've ever played. Like you, you run as fast as your slowest teammate. All the drills are centered around doing things in unison and doing things together, but not in like a militant way and more of just like a, 
Like you're there for the guy that's next to you. Like the guy that's next to you doesn't run, doesn't ever run alone. And I think that that's, that's such a brotherhood. cool subject to teach younger kids that are going onto a team. And I think the inherent violence of the sport is very much overplayed. Fair, because I've I've watched a rugby game or two, and then I watched a Gaelic football match. Oh, okay, like, those yeah, dudes rug- are nut rugby, jobs. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's yeah. not that's, 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 Yeah. <laughs> that's like I watched a dog show and then I watched a right, bullfight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I went to I went to the best in show for Westminster, and then I went to a cockfight yeah. in Tijuana. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh yeah, I remember one so, day. Oh, I'm sorry, John. No, no, no. Go when, ahead. When uh, Satanta Sports was still a network, we had it on uh, on. Oh, Direct are they not TV. a network anymore? They were like the premier network when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think they folded, but at least it's not offered on, on cable where, I am at, where I'm at. And me and my dad, one day we, we had it on and, and a Gaelic football game came on and we were we were just making each other laugh so much talking about how they must have invented this game. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a couple theories and none of them are good. <laughs> Yeah, it did not start off sober. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, so Eugenio, we you've told us kind of your uh, your player background as far as um, soccer goes, but what I, I'm I'm always curious, like socially, uh, like what did it mean to you as far as like your friend group? On like, it, I who, mean, you, how influential was it on on your personal? You know what's life? funny is that for someone who in, and I enjoyed all sports, like I was just. I was a weird juxtaposition as a uh, as a kid because I loved video games and board games. Like, Risk was my favorite game growing up. I used to love computer games. But also, I was the same kid who would play outside until I couldn't see the ball I was trying to catch. So, sports always really uh-huh. meant a lot to me growing up. And I was always running around. And I could I'll play anything. Like, you put me on right. a... T- as long as it's a team sport, throw me into it. I'll, I'll play it. And right. I'll be very happy. But yeah. on the flip side, I was never a very avid spectator. I hmm. I enjoy watching the sports, but I never really aligned myself to a team. I was kind of similar, actually, like now that you mention it, because I, I never really had a whole lot of uh, fealty to a particular team, but always played sports growing up until I started doing and it, theater. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a weird thing as someone who plays a lot of sports, because then like your friends who play a lot of sports are talking about like the scores over the weekend and the player transfers and i'm like honestly i don't really care i'd much rather watch a good game and enjoy a good game between two qualified teams than live and die by the sword of one squad but that's i mean again i was a weirdo like i was i was real weird in that regard i was telling you guys before we even started recording that this is the first time i'd watched soccer in a long time yeah i was absolutely floored that like a sport that had held out for so like they were adamant about like not going the American way of advertising. I'm now like, wow, you just attached a brand name to three minutes of playing time. Yeah, to to yeah. time. I re- it, it I remember in the, like the the 2002 and 98 World Cup when they were showing it in the states, and it would ha- it would just. The, the the American channels didn't know what to do with themselves. They're like, wait, we're not allowed to cut away for like 45, 48 minutes in a row? So they would have small commercials, picture in picture, playing at the bottom <laughs> in the middle of the game. And the commentators would just cut out and it'd be the commercial. I, I got to imagine that the lack of stoppage must have been a very difficult thing for like American TV producers. To, even like, And I'm talking back when like the oh, U.S. Yeah. handled the host. I believe they hosted the 94 World Cup. In Georgia, was it? Yes. It was in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how to handle any it's, of this yeah, shit. That's also very true. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a big reason I mean, why there's... the sport never commercially took off as much as it did everywhere else is that there there's no money in it for the advertisers, you know, or there's yeah, but I'm just imagining these room of like NBC executives and they're like, "You mean there's 90 minutes of television time that we can't make money off of?" Yeah, what? yeah. It's like we have signed contracts with advertisers <laughs> yeah. that their ad will run at the 90 minute mark. See, it's better or, now that there's all these streaming services, well, so you don't have to really worry. Also, about it. I don't know why my NBC like boardroom member is a portly man from the south, but like that's where my van <laughs> went for some reason. I didn't question it at all. <laughs> like there was not a part, like not even for a second did I go like, what is that voice he's doing? And you're just like, what do we do with this soccer? And I was like, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. It checks there out. it is. Gee, as long as it's a track for you guys, I'm fine. Well, uh, let's, let's get into it a little bit. It's match week 14. The first game of the weekend, Liverpool absolutely trounced Crystal Palace. I seven. What was it? Seven nothing. Seven nothing. I did not wake up for this because I didn't. I'm not going to wake up early in the morning to watch Liverpool. But I was really hoping that Palace would at least do a little bit of something. Willie Zaha might might nick a goal here or there. But I woke up. I turned the TV on, and it was right as yeah. the ref was blowing the final whistle, and I saw the score. It's like, oh, jeez, that's a terrible sight to wake up to. I mean, by the by, the looks of it, that yeah. game set the trend for the weekend in terms of the, the pace of the scoring. Yeah, yeah. We did have a couple high-scoring games. And uh, it's, as much as it pains me to say it, it really looks like Liverpool are going to be on pace to win another title in a row this year. I hate saying that. I Unless mean, Jesus, when you're, when you're playing games like that, yeah, it's very early, but somebody's going to have to come out as a clear contender. Right. Uh, and we'll get to it's why that a... there isn't a clear one when we hit Sunday, <laughs> the second game. Crystal Palace, like, isn't even that bad. They're you know what I mean? Really like, not. They're, they're pretty decent. Yeah. And for Liverpool to spank that ass at 7 to yeah. like 7 0 yeah. is intense. In London. Yeah, that's a lot. I, uh, we're in London. I unfortunately have nothing to contribute on the, on the front of this match because I am a terrible person and didn't watch it. But Liverpool was my favorite. <laughs> Liverpool was my favorite English team growing up. I, I Get had. Get the fuck out. I. I used to oh no, like, no, yeah. like no, not not time, like yeah. girl not <laughs> like girl get out like like actually like leave no the no 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 well you can listen, find me at at john moody listen. on yeah, instagram and i am the john Dillon. do not listen do not watch cooking with calzones don't watch it the food is poison oh man if my food's poison you'd have been dead a long time ago i've eaten this man's food and i have died twice i had a i had a i had a so my my school we did an exchange like a, a tournament exchange where like we would go to this school in England and stay at the the, the students houses and play and then they would come to us they would stay at our oh, houses awesome. and that's play cool. and so i when i went to england i was determined to get a liverpool jersey and i got a liverpool jersey mm. with robbie fowler's name on the back I, okay cuz he nice. was the only cool nice. liverpool i didn't know why i liked robbie fowler i had no idea he was actually really good um this was like 10 year old me like 11 year old me and i was like i wanted this badass liverpool jersey with robbie fowler's name on it it cost like 60 pounds i remember that i remembered it the currency meant absolutely nothing to me 
<laughs> right. 60 of these Monopoly Yeah, it dollars. doesn't feel like 60 pounds. It's yeah, light. no, and then I should have realized, you know, in hindsight, you know, I was giving away half of my left leg and my firstborn, you know, in the currency exchange. Uh, anyway, carry on. I, do you want me to go now? I, I can go. No, that's like, I, I, no, you're all right. No, no, it's no, okay. No, 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 no um, I understand. We, we welcome everybody here. Yes. All people and even Liverpool fans. Soccer. We're, we're here to talk about <laughs> soccer, right? Eh. Second game on Saturday, Man City beat Southampton one nothing. Uh, I was actually kind of hoping for something, a little something else from Southampton, since City have been, they had a couple stretch, uh, a couple stretches of a couple good games back to back, and then they kind of fell off a little bit. Um, wait, that was Man City and Man United were this this past. That wasn't midweek. We had midweek games yeah, as well. No, that was midweek. That was midweek. Wait, no, 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 no it wasn't because that was Darwin. yeah, that was last we week. We talked about that with Anna. Last weekend, yeah. So they didn't do so well midweek, if I remember correctly. And uh, I thought Southampton was going to do a little better than that. The second game, or excuse me, the third game of the week, Everton beaten Arsenal 2-1. Arsenal scored. That makes four goals in the last ten games from Arsenal. That's still such a... I mean, like, that's an atrocious... Regardless of whether or not... How many totals? Yeah. Like, how many total goals? Like, that can't be more than five total for the season. Well, they had a couple good games in the beginning. They started out okay. The first four games weren't really that bad at all. Um, And then I don't really even know what happened to them. They just took an absolute nosedive. I always compare them in my mind. I compare Arsenal to Hyungmin's son, like as as just a team to a person. And I know that he's I know that he's winning. Yeah, eight goals in the first four games. Oh wow, eight goals in the first four games. Uh, and in fact, the only game that they won in the last ten was uh, to my to my Manchester United boys. They won one nothing. It's also. It's pretty close, but it, it you know it's an example also that Arsenal Everton match of how possession doesn't always mean anything because Arsenal had possession almost sixty percent of the game and still lost. Yeah, you know honestly, like all of their stats look like they won. Thirteen shots on goal, or no, thirteen shots, two on target, fifty-eight percent possession, five hundred and fifty-one passes with eighty-eight percent efficiency. All of those numbers are better than everton and still yeah what was uh what was your takeaway from the game you so i have a couple actually other than arsenal's awful they, they that was <laughs> i, I uh, they looked flat that's all yeah. like i just and and this is with no real prior knowledge i mean like i haven't really followed the epl for the first like 13 games of the season or whatever it's been 12 games of the season um they just look flat I learned a couple of things. I learned one thing in particular, actually, that I didn't know was that apparently the EPL, uh, they were lobbying to change the amount of substitutions. Yeah, from, from three, three to five. five they, and they, and they, vo- just, they, they just they shut, shut it that down, down. W- with the asterisk that now the amount of available bench players was upped from seven to nine. Yeah, which, oh. uh, which is huge. the Premier League app, they, they had a, a problem with that today because the United game had Vanderbeek and Greenwood also listed on the sub bench, but... The Premier League app on the iPhones hasn't updated yet, so it only has seven oh, spaces. So you got screw- so like fantasy players were having probably a tough time. Well, it was okay on fantasy. Like if they subbed in, they subbed in, and you, you can get points. But the app itself, um, for like the box score, the equivalent of the box score, only had 
Oh, so that's, that's spaces, which was interesting. Um, and so I had two more. Actually, I had two more things from that game. One, Everton coast, uh, coached by uh, Carlo Ancelotti, who is a very prominent figure. Whoa, 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 my... whoa, whoa! I'm sorry, Eugenio. Will you please just lean into your microphone and say that slower? I hate that I'm appeasing you on this, but fine. <laughs> Come on, Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> oh, there you go. Fantastic. That was, that was for you. Um, he's uh, actually. That's gonna be my ringtone. <laughs> well, I mean, now. I was just. It was. It was cool because, like, that was a name that immediately rang a bell for me, and I realized that he was the coach of Milan. So, uh, for those yeah, of, for sure, those people, it sure rung my those, bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you got a. I know What's you got Milan, a nice. Milan, you got a nice Milan, big bell to ring. Solo Conte, Milan, <laughs> Milan. Milan, <laughs> sempre vivre. I actually have not heard that song in a very long time. Um, but for those of you who are also not very familiar with Italian soccer, if you say Milan as a team, you're always referring to AC Milan. If you say Inter, you're always referring to, obviously, Inter Milan. That's right. But Ancelotti is an incredibly storied coach, so it was really cool to kind of like see a team that he's fielding in the UK, sort of how they play, because it's, he, he obviously has a very different style from traditional English football as you might yeah. say. Um, and one more thing, one of the commentators said something that piqued my sort of interest, and it was a question that I wanted to ask you guys, actually. Um, I can't remember who the Everton striker is that was wearing number nine, but I remember the commentator saying he's doing justice to the number nine jersey. And Richarlison? Was he, like, shaved? Yes, head? perhaps. Yeah, Richarlison. Um, and... It's something that's very prevalent in rugby and in soccer, but I don't think it's very prevalent in American sports where there is sort of an allegiance to the number that is the position, not the human that wears the number. So like in rugby, right? Like if you're a certain position, you're wearing that number. It's not like in a, like in a basketball team or on a, on a football team where the, the, the player gets to choose their lucky number or gets to like, like the number in both soccer and rugby is, it it means you have reached, that is like the status. Like you are the number nine, which means you are the striker. You're the number 10. You are like the other striker, you know, um, in rugby, if you're the number nine, you're the scrum half or 10 is the fly half. Like, so like, it's this cool mentality of like aspiring to not only the position, but you aspire to the number. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's something that really happens in American sports. Like there's no like there's it's, no honor hmm. behind wearing yeah. that like if you wear that number like uh I don't know if that's necessarily the, true though. I mean look at twenty three, you that's, know, that's like the that, only, that's but, why but, they retired. Twenty three was made by the man. Exactly. Twenty three twenty three became something because of Michael Jordan. Twenty three wasn't yeah. anything before right. what I'm what I'm trying to say is long before there were famous players, people aspired to the number. In, and that solidified you as the starter yeah. in that position. That is the the yeah. most sought after number at Manchester United is the number seven jersey. It is a storied yeah. jersey. Uh, well, I mean, but Beckham has a little hmm. bit of the like what John was just saying. Beckham, I think Beckham benefited a bit oh. from the Michael Jordan complex. Over that name recognition. No, no, even before that, I think George Best had number seven. Really? And oh. then, but it's it's always been that the the winger who's 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 going to be. So you had Beckham had it, Cristiano Ronaldo had it, Best had it, Eric Cantona had yeah, it. Eric Cantona did have it. And I mean, on with Everton, you know, with the number nine. I mean, that that goes always all the way back to the '30s. You know, that was that was William William Dixie <laughs> Dean. You know, he 
He led the blues out. Well, uh, uh, you know, he was the shoeless captain. Joe. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. That was William Dixie Dean. He was the the captain of Everton. Uh, led them to the FA Cup final in 1933, and he was he was the first uh, in line for the number nine. I just thought it was such a. Oh, wow. I thought it was such a cool. I'm reading directly from Google. I thought you were just making something up. <laughs> no, I was, I was like, impressed with no, your ability true. to oh, sort wow. of. No. <laughs> and I, I was, I was wrong. By the way, it's a uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin who's the number nine for Everton, not Richarlison. Yes, I, again, like I couldn't. You, mm. If you paid me right now on the spot, I, pardon me, I wouldn't be able to name the player. He's got, I think, at this point, he's. He, I think he leads the league in, in goals scored. I think he's got at least thirteen, and we're in match week fourteen. That's insane. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think it was just cool the way I think it was the phrase got me. It was like doing justice to the number nine jersey, like. You're never going to hear an American commentator at a football game be like, man, he's really doing 88 proud. And I just thought it was yeah. like a cool, like, and, and it's like a, it's something that goes without saying. Like, he says that phrase, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, I know what that means. Everybody knows. Yeah. But yeah, that's really all I had on Arsenal Everton. Sorry, I, I didn't watch that game as intently as you guys, I think, so I sort of picked very... No, I didn't watch that game. Oh, I picked out a couple things that just stood out, um, you know. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> and then the last game wait last game on saturday that was the uh newcastle fulham yeah newcastle fulham no reason to watch that one game all. that ended 1-1 uh they're both gonna be fighting for their lives for, at the end of the season i've got a red card on anderson for fulham yeah yeah i don't, I don't know who know that is that all i know is that fulham's manager is the best dressed manager in the premier league oh oh is he oh yeah wait and Who's and that? the fulham goalkeeper's name is Ariola. I uh that's their claim to fame for me. My parents for a brief period lived right down the street from the Fulham Football Club stadium actually. Which I think is one of the greatest named stadiums. What is it Raven ever. something? Uh Craven, Craven Cottage. Cottage. Yes, that's what it was. <clears throat> oh, it's Scott Parker. Scott well, Scott Parker. Uh, now I'm go- now I'm Scotty googling Parker. what he wears. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know that the man. I don't know that he's the best dressed, but he is. I mean, he's, he's a, a he's a good looking, looking fella. He's not a bad looking dude. No. He also has some fame as a player. He was an Everton yeah. player. Like, by the, he, he looks just, like he yeah. played for Everton yeah, he's, and he's for got England. Some history. Yeah, I I agree. I I mean, the the description I would have used would not have been best dressed. I tell you what. Well. But uh, but I agree with the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> He's been wearing he's been wearing some pretty nice suits occasionally. I mean, I think he definitely I think he's definitely playing up the fact that he's not as ar- as not as archaic to, to, as his you know as his peers. Yeah, as opposed to Bielsen and Leeds, who's sitting on a Leeds plastic bucket drinking a <laughs> yeah. cup of tea from like a takeaway. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> And they even said that. They even said that, like the commentators, and they're <laughs> like, and there he is. Yeah, he was like sipping the, his tea, sitting like on a Bill bucket. Belichick of the EPL. <laughs> oh, well, let's move on to the first two games of Sunday real quick, and then we'll get into our game of the week. So the first game this morning, I didn't wake up for it. Again, this is going to be a couple teams that Brighton are going to be yeah. fighting for a low middle part of the table probably at the end of the season. Sheffield will most almost definitely uh, be relegated. However, Sheffield did get their second point of the season when they drew Brighton, uh, one one. Yeah. Uh, second game, yep. I was not expecting to go this way. Nope. Uh, neither. Leicester winds up pulling it out two nothing against a floundering Jose Mourinho side. They are. 
I'm a little bit shocked, actually. I was making a joke with some of the, the my buddies in the fantasy group chat, and I was saying that Tottenham usually wait until January or February to pull a Tottenham and screw everything up, but it's happening well, a little earlier this, this season. Apparently, apparently Mourinho even even said in an interview at some point that he didn't think they were ready to take the title. Oh, is that like, so? Did he say that? I mean, that, that's what one of the commentators today said. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen that interview, but apparently there there is a there's a clip somewhere where Mourinho's like, I he's like, I, I don't think that we're ready to take it. Like we're playing really well right now. And he's like, that's great. But he's like, it's nothing that like it's nothing that we're doing. We've just like it's just worked out so far. <laughs> Fair enough. In the last in the last three games, they've only gotten one point. They lost to Liver. They lost wow. to Leicester today. They lost to Liverpool midweek, and they drew against Crystal Palace last Sunday. Beat Everton, and then See, drew against Chelsea before that. I I didn't realize. I mean, obviously, I'm new to all of this, and so I didn't realize that Tottenham was one of those teams where people are like constantly disappointed. Okay. Like, I didn't know that. I thought that they were great because I, I, you know, I signed on to do this podcast and then I was like, oh, I'll pick a team at random. This team's like number one right High now, like, you know, yeah. six weeks ago. And I was like, great, perfect. I'll pick like, fuck it. I, I, I you know, I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Panthers fan. I was like, finally, I'm going to pick a team that plays well. <laughs> and so I was like, I'll choose these Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> and then I said that to somebody on Reddit, like in a comment on you Reddit. You probably got I was talking flattened. about something. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It was actually kind of nice. It was, it was wholesome. But I said something. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm new to this. A buddy got me into it. And, uh, you know, I randomly picked Tottenham and they were like, oh, you poor bastard. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? They're doing great. Like, I felt so fortunate to pick this team that's doing so well. And they were like, come join us over at r slash coys and like (laughs) get ready to revel in our sadness. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the way I can sum up that franchise is uh, when I when I was a junior in high school, my parents, we went on vacation to England and at one point we went up to Old Trafford and we saw Manchester United against Blackburn. And at the end of the game, it's just a just a massive sea of people walking down this one long street to get back to the tram, to get back to the train station. And everybody's kind of in sardines and it's pretty much just a sea of red shirts. And the, these this group of like six friends are hammered and they're all walking arm in arm. And there's like a couple girls with them and they're they're going somewhere to go keep partying after the game. And uh, it's like this, the one guy goes, oh, is that Steve on the phone? He's like, yeah, it's Steve. He goes, really, Steve? He goes, yeah. He goes, tell him Tottenham is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that just that oh, really no. sums it up. They're kind of like historic. And this is, again, drawing on my probably. I picked the yeah. wrong team. I should pick. Uh, I should switch like, to Liverpool you, just to just to mess with you, you Jonathan. You, uh, you picked like the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles of the EPL. Break my heart. Oh, that's, yeah. That's not great. I mean, it's not no, terrible. Well, they, it's not they great. have they have these historic flashes of brilliance, where their fans become incredibly invigorated by them, and 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 they they you know they're they're riding the wave and living the dream, and then they just crush you into nothing. It's it's like the English national team, really. You line up with on paper a ridiculous squad, and somehow you figure out how to blow it year in and year out. <laughs> well, we're here for you. What are you we're gonna do? Yeah, 
Thank you. Thank yeah. you for your support. And thank you to the listeners for your support. <laughs> yeah, thank you to the listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, During these you, unprecedented listeners. times. These trying times. This n- new normal. New normal. Uh, now before we move on to the game of the week the rivalry (laughs) renewed Leeds United travel to Old Trafford to battle Manchester United the first Uh time they've played in the Uh league for 16 years it's true it's awesome not good let's let's jump into our segment our weekly segment Uh, what do we call this John? it's called let's drink to soccer with three dumb yanks we ain't shooting blanks no it's segment time I need another rhyme Let's drink to soccer. That's right. Before we get into the Manchester United-Leeds game, where Leeds had a heavy leak at the back, Uh this week, Let's Drink to Football is brought to you by Depends Adult Diapers. That's right. If you have a leak in the back, put on your Depends. I can't tell if you're trolling. Well, there's no way anyone would actually give us money. So (laughs) um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a spoof, but I like it. I was really excited. Like in the back. (laughs) And if there's any team that you can depend on. That's right. To get relegated. It's United. (laughs) Well played. United's out. Sheffield United. Yes, absolutely. Well, so what was everybody? um, Did anybody have a (laughs) beverage during the game? I did. I drank a tall boy of mango white claw. Girl, it was nice. delightful. Is I that your favorite of the of the flavors? It, uh, you know, it it's it's definitely top three, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the mango white claw. Now, inevitable follow up is white claw. Your favorite of these now of the very seltzers? trendy seltzers? Oh, you say know, your favorite. I know mine. I do. Uh, you're a truly have, man, think, aren't you? I think I have a favorite as well. No, I'm- Jonathan. Bud Light Seltzer. Oh, Ooh. right. You like that trash. Pure ca- no, it's a- pure cane sugar. Pure cane and? sugger, and it's the Can't best flavors. So, yeah, th- <laughs> it, it has it has the best flavors. Like, uh, what was it? Peppermint? <laughs> Peppermint Patty. That, Peppermint was, the, that Patty? was the ugly sweater. With right. notes of chocolate? <laughs> On the nose. <laughs> On the what nose? on earth are you talking about? Oh, they, back the, Bud Light Seltzer has a... Episode one or two, yeah. uh, Jonathan drank the Bud Light Seltzer, uh, what was it, Ugly Sweater Holiday Pack? Ugly Sweater Holiday Oh, that holiday sounds pack. abysmal. And one of the flavors. Ginger Snap? Patty. Yeah, Pepper uh, Patty. But to answer your question, my, my favorite is definitely not Bud Light Seltzer. Um, and I'll tell you why. The first Bud Light Seltzer that I had was the Strawberry. Okay? And I one. did not like it. No, I don't like it. It the strawberry Bud Light seltzer tastes like the worst strawberry flavored candy, but like a little watered down. Okay, oh. like it it's like <laughs> not as good as bad strawberry candy. That's not true. It tastes like a strawberry high chew. No, it do- I have a- absolutely two- not. I I've, will agree with John Dillon. I've here. got two bags of high chew behind me right now. <laughs> I will go to the store and buy a Bud Light <laughs> seltzer strawberry and compare them. But no, I it, uh, I mean, I do tend to default to White Claw, but that's probably just because of the brand recognition right. and, yeah. and, and the Fair memes. Enough. You know, there's no memes about Bud Light seltzer. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I Two like Robbers is another good one. 
Two Robbers is good. Bon and Viv is good. Yeah. That's my favorite. I was about to say. That's bon Alice's favorite. Yep. It's, that is definitely my favorite. They do some bon nice beads. flavors. They, I think they, they, tread a, they tread that line between being like... White Claw, I think, is like over the fence at this point. They, you know, they were the pioneers of the movement. Right. They've they've gone on. But I don't know. I, I I just think I like their flavors. They're they're not oppressive. They're not yeah. like like everywhere in your face. There's there's another brand in my neighborhood that's uh, it only sells at this one place, but they're like half fruity, half spicy flavors. Oh, and I can't think of the name of them. I think it's got like Ooh. a cheeky little rooster or something in the logo. But like one, it's like guava jalapeno. Um. Oh. I mango like yeah it's it's something sweet or something fruity and something spicy together and it's a hard it's a hard seltzer yeah huh interesting they they're pretty good they had like a, a guava oh or something. uh it, yep it's called flying embers yes that's it is the brand that's it mm. they have such flavors as guava jalapeno passion fruit elderflower yeah Clementine hibiscus, black cherry rose, pineapple cayenne, which actually sounds legit. That one is I good. I would drink that. Watermelon chili, I would definitely yeah, drink that as well. Yeah, that's the other one in the spicy Guava pack. jalapeno, you could keep it. Yeah, those are the three um, in the spicy pack. $94 for a 48 pack. Jeez. Well, thank you everybody for listening to Three Dudes Seltzer Cast. <laughs> uh, <this is> sp- <laughs> we really, yeah, we really went off the wagon there. This I was intrigued. Is, uh, uh, We're going to have to rename this from Three Dumb Yanks to Three Florida Man. I talks about oh, boozing. Well, here, I'll bring us back around by saying that during the match, I actually uh, consumed my first alcoholic beverage in about a week. Good for you. Yeah. Good for me. Yeah, it's probably bad for me that that first alcoholic beverage was a Miller Lite. Could have <laughs> been worse. It could have um, been Bud Light Seltzer Strawberry. <laughs> It absolutely could have been. Yeah, I've uh, I've been feeling a bit under the weather for the past week, so um, I laid low and was doing some self care. Got that big Rona? Uh, yeah, no, actually, yeah. thankfully my my results came in around three a.m. last night, and I do not Herpes. have the Rona. I yeah, oh. exactly <laughs> of the armpit though. Whoa. Ooh. Yeah, it, don't worry about it. It's a thing. I won't. I won't lift up my arm. You should be in a medical um, journal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can if, confirm if for you, Jonathan. It is a thing. Yeah, I mean, I and, learned and look, we don't we don't need to travel down this path. Um, <laughs> I'll just cut that out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I unfortunately just I, I guess it was bad timing. I just caught a fever and and some chills, and obviously you know went through the precautions of taking the Rona test and and staying away for everything. But yeah, yeah, thankfully uh, everything is back to the norm so i that's cracked good. an adult beverage during the man U game today nice uh, and it was a miller light and that's kind of what i've been sticking with for uh nothing wrong with that for the day nice one of the day but you know since we started the show again miller yeah. light is a solid choice well it's i did a, not uh, uh it uses choice hops from the pacific northwest as well as noble sax hops and delivers more aromatic taste and color with only 96 calories per 12 ounces you just read more sentences than every other miller light drinker combined yeah, well, I mean, you got to set the bar somewhere. <laughs> I just want to say publicly that I think that Miller Lite drinkers probably are nice, educated people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, they have some of my favorite if commercials. You are you, hint- otherwise, are you, you hinting can, at the... <laughs> you can tweet at J-O-N-M-O-O-D-I-E. Yeah. <clears throat> Bring it, nerds. <laughs> I see you guys Bring were both... Uh, I see That's... you guys were... Bo- <laughs> 
Uh, I see also that you guys have been consuming the uh, once pride of Boston, but now he's a shameful figure, Sam Adams. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's his Not I... Sam Adams, the historical figure. I mean, Jim, what's his name? The head of <laughs> yeah. Sam Adams. Mm. Who, what, I can't, what did he do to get a lot of people pissed at him? He hates gay people or something? I can't remember. What oh, it does is. he really? Now, see, he, uh, he dresses, got... that guy he, as, as a brewmaster, right? And as with, with an award winning. He dresses the same as Bill Belichick. He dresses company. better than Bill Belichick. Exactly. He's like the beer Belichick, or the beer Belichick. He's the beer, beer Belichick. He's beer, he's beer <laughs> Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> You actually nailed that by accident. <laughs> Why am I blanking on his name? It's Jim. Yeah. Now Sam. I did not. I did not have any during the game, uh, but I did. I am Jim celebrating Koch. now with Koch. a Winolaga too. Uh, I'm also having a Winolaga right now. <laughs> John A. Now, now going back to Miller Lite. Miller Lite did have some fantastic commercials. Man Law. If you go, if you YouTube the Man Law Miller Lite commercials, those were really funny. It sounds. I'll have to um, look at those after the. And uh, it's a very strange cast of characters. It goes mm. from like Burt Reynolds to Vern Tra- Troyer, I think, is in one of them. It's a bunch a of guys like sitting ex- around a, ca- a ch- table. It sounds like society expecting things of me. <laughs> that, uh, I don't think I, you know that's not pressure I need man Fair. law yeah get out of well, here well it's probably a reason why those commercials don't exist anymore yeah I also haven't seen the commercials I'm just assuming that they're super misogynist well they I did, just I mean yeah, a little bit I don't know miso- I mean like implicit misogyny yeah, well, aside it's just <laughs> you you can't make those kinds of claims anymore right it's just you know it's not kosher I think the thing is they didn't make it for comedy sake at the time it was more just like, yeah, this is how we feel. We're going to put it out there, you know? <laughs> like, whereas if you're just telling a joke, all right, sure, you're just joking. But <laughs> yeah, they did one whole big one about yeah. how men should never uh, cheers with bottles. You should never cheers at the top because their saliva might mix. So you should always uh, cheers from the bottom. What? See, that's just ridiculous. Like, I don't even, yeah. I don't even yeah. find oh stuff like that fun. Like, that's not funny. No. Yeah, like, where's the joke? Yeah. Like there's there and like I get with I get the mentality they're trying to play yeah. to, but like you really I really hope that I mean like the people that find that funny <laughs> probably shouldn't be of legal age to purchase yeah. alcohol. Yes. But also yeah. like just from an advertising standpoint, this 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 beer company is like, "Oh, you're buying and drinking our beer? Would you touch it with your buddy's beer, gay boy?" Like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Like, so why are stupid. you discouraging me? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? I've already bought the product. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Jonathan and I both ended up drinking the uh, Sam Adams Winter Lager today. Yeah, and not I my found... favorite Sam Adams, I will say. I mean, you know, it's Sam Adams. So, uh, <laughs> well, there was a, so as someone who went to college in Boston. Oh right, Sam. A- so well, that's how like the seat you would. <laughs> It's weird. As like a Boston college student, you would live the seasons by what beers Sam Adams was releasing. They used to have an amazing spring one, and it, it's gone. They used to have a spring one, but like the first like when, when you when you popped that first Sam Summer, dude, that's when you knew like the the academic year was almost over. Oh, you were like, yeah, like where you're like sitting on your roof, shitty Boston winters turning into because I mean Chicago gets a bad rap for winter, but Boston has abysmal right. winters. Um. And when you popped that first Sam Summer, it was there. There are few better tastes than that first day of summer in Boston. Absolutely. You know the school year is wrapping up, and you pop that first Sam Summer, and you're just mm. like, "Yes, I can nice. taste it now." <laughs> 
Yeah, you're uh, we're a long way. We're a long, miserable way off from that, buddy. Mm. But I, I see this. I still feel like I can taste. It. I mean, you can see it on my face. Right <laughs> I, I can. I <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm under a palm tree. John's baby. on I'm, island I'm time done. right now. <laughs> yeah. If by palm tree you mean the decaying deck of my Alston house, then yes, I also too can see it. There you go. There you go. Moving on to game the, of the week. Uh, Let's go. The Leeds Manchester game. Didn't we already talk about this? We didn't. Oh no, it, it started out pretty amazingly. I remember uh, using I, the phrase spanked that ass at some point earlier in this episode. Within the, yeah, but I don't think you used it in regards to this game. I within the first <laughs> 170 seconds, there were two goals by the Ooh. Scotsman. Old Scott Mc, McSkolzy over there. McTominay. <laughs> He's playing Sorry, like a version Roy Keane and Paul Skulls combined. He scored. He got two. He got two in the goal, and then he got one in the balls, right at the end. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Bruno found uh, the score sheet twice. Danny James on the score uh, sheet, and you mentioned him before the game. He has he was not the played. only player that you mentioned. But when we were texting before the game, he was the only player that I remember you mentioning. So it was cool to see him score. Well, he hasn't played for a while. He's a young kid. We got I think last year or two years ago, maybe. Oh, he's a real Man United fan. He says we when he's talking about the team. <laughs> yeah. But he's a young kid. He was like 17 or 19. And um, he's flying up the right wing. And, and he, he started out pretty well. He started out pretty well. And then it just kind of slowly, slowly uh, dropped down. And he hadn't really had much uh, much success on the field as of late. And yep. so it's, it's nice to see him back out there and... Uh, Scoring a goal to make all of us United faithful really happy. And, and the last guy to get on the sheet, uh, or also on the sheet, Victor Lindelof. It's yes. nice to see yep. the big Swede. So one thing I actually want to note, and I thought this was a very interesting statistic because I think it highlights something about Man U that has been a trend in the season from the research that I did prior to our recording today. Mm. Their record at home is not that great. Not great. It is, I believe it is one win before today's match. It was one win, two draws, three losses. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Which highlighted something to me that I, I think really should be mentioned, especially in this era of COVID sports, is Man U truly depended on the 12th man a lot more than I think they ever thought. Like, old Tra- when you think about, like, what Old Trafford used to mean, like, if you were traveling to play at Old Trafford, like, you were going to the house. You were nervous. Like, you and were you going were also, to the Thunderdome. There's another thing about Manchester United that it doesn't matter what kind of schmuck team you are. If you're if you're in first or in 20th, if you're about to get relegated, if you go to Old Trafford, you're probably going to have your best game of the season because you want to beat Manchester United in Old Trafford to make a statement. Right. And so I, I don't know if like maybe their record at home this year sort of takes away from that from that magic. Yeah. Right. Like 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 Old Trafford isn't this intimidating. Like I, the only the thing that I thought of when I was thinking about this was Michigan, like University of Michigan football, the big, house. The big house. Yeah. Like you go there, you know, you're it's going to be rowdy. Yeah. It's going to be loud. Everybody's going to hate you. It's like Happy Valley no during a whiteout. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes. But so I just I, I wonder, John, if you kind of think that because of COVID and because of the loss of like a crowd, that maybe the sort of that that wow factor of Old Trafford has sort of lost traction. I I don't think Ugh. I think we're in a um, United have been tough this year. They've been very inconsistent. They've looked very Jekyll and Hyde week in and week out. 
one one week they're high flying and they're they're beating PSG in Paris, and they travel back and and they're losing at home to Arsenal. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a tough and season to watch. Out of the Champions League, got knocked out of the Champions League, um, and then had right away had a good performance. Uh, even though it it wound up nothing nothing against Man City, still the defense played much better than they had in weeks. Uh, I think overall, yeah, I in my humble opinion, that Ole gets a lot more flack than he is due as a manager, being as um, just n- not as uh, um, as experienced as a lot of other people. Uh, but he he has a commentator said this at the end of the game. And I, did, I didn't really think of it until he said it, that every single player that was inherited by him or that he brought in uh, under his tutelage has improved in the last two years. They have gotten better. And I think that's really the sign of a good manager. <clears throat> and uh, But going back, I'm sorry, going back to your initial question, I don't know that, that the luster has been lost uh, uh, for Old Trafford and and the the nervousness walking into that building, because uh, as soon as seventy eight thousand screaming screaming people are back in there and that that stadium's shaken, it's it's it was just I just found it very interesting. Yeah, to it see is. That they had a shaky home record. It is. Yeah, it is. And I don't <laughs> know why that is this year. I think it's it's honestly just a bit of coincidence and and lack of form and and lack of of um, consistency. Yeah. In, in I think the season so far, I think you're right. I I do think that there a bit of that maybe is a lack of the fans and a lack of that sort of like energy and gusto. But also like these teams are watching how United's playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, I feel like they're not going in. They're going into this building. They're going into this structure, this stadium that is so significant. But like when the door opens and the minotaur comes out it's not like a big scary monster <laughs> yeah i mean the reference first two home games we we allowed nine goals first two home games we scored twice and we allowed nine goals yeah that's wild which is <laughs> is not really a thing that happens at united and, and, and yeah i don't know how much it is that it, the 12th man is missing or or that it was just the beginning well, of the season and there was no preseason this year because of the, it, the the last season ending so early or so late, it's funny you should mention losing or pardon me the amount of goals that Man U let up because Leeds tends to have this weird trend by the looks of it where when they lose they lose big yeah and when they win they also win big. There's no there hasn't really been I, I think this was an interesting matchup because there hasn't really been a middle ground for either team this year. Yeah, it's they Leeds play uh, a, this special kind of of attacking football where they let their defenders kind of free flow and, and kind of do whatever they want. So they get caught out at the back a lot. They play a high line um and that was very evident. Uh they were leaking out the back all day today. Brought to you by Depends. <sighs> Shout out Depends. Hashtag. Uh also for our listeners at home they're not who paying us. Might be unaware of the rivalry. <laughs> Depends, John. Who might be unaware of the rivalry between these two teams? This is a very long-standing rivalry in English soccer. Um, Fuck those diapers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think is this? You think Ferguson wears one? <laughs> oh god. Do you think, that Do you think people that are anti-vax are also anti-diaper? 
Oh, for sure. God didn't make diapers. Can't just make let it, it flow. For sure. They're barely, they're probably anti-pants. <laughs> Can't make it to the bathroom. Need a little extra Fergie time. Depends. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up. That um, Did anybody else have any more takeaways from the game other than United? Look, probably the they started out the game the best that they've started a game all season. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They started out a game the best anyone has ever started out a game. Yeah. I mean, that was like, that was. (laughs) No, no. No, I believe that was the first time. McTominay. McTominay. That was the first time in history that somebody has scored two goals in under three minutes in the English Premier League. Oh, was it? McTominay is the first player to ever score two goals in in the first three minutes. Yeah. Well, literally best ever start. (laughs) John, I meant more. More like in their effort, not not necessarily on the stat sheet. So actually, I watched I this mean, game very uh, intense. Results, <laughs> yeah. the results are there. You know, like yeah, I think that was some pretty good effort when he scored those two goals in three minutes. That's definitely that's a couple pats on the butt right there for sure. Yeah. At least they, two. the two of them happened within a minute of one another. Yes. Yeah. That's insane. I know that uh, McTominay got player of the game, awarded by whoever decides that stuff. I disagree. I think think that Marcus Rashford was the best player on that field for Man United that day. I want to bring up one more thing because I told... I told Moody to have a statistic that he told me earlier in the week in his back pocket. Yes. And that was oh, right. regarding penalties. And uh, can you just share that statistic? And then I want to share something that was said. Yeah. Now the match that, that was very interesting. That was as of midweek, but as of midweek, there had been 53 penalties given thus far in the Premier League just this season alone in only 13 weeks. That so that was a pretty astounding statistic to me, especially because there was a pen, one of the one of the goals for Manchester United in this game was a penalty kick. Yes, and one of the commentators when they were going through the replay of how the penalty was given, I thought it was kind of an iffy penalty, honestly. But uh, the commenter, I can't remember which one of the two said the defender could do nothing but dangle a leg in front of him for fear of a penalty. Oh, it wasn't because of that penalty. Part of me, it was because of a challenge. For one of the other goals. Yeah. And he said this. And it made me think of that statistic. And it makes me wonder if like. Soccer has gone too far in that direction. Where a defender is going to be. Altogether too apprehensive. To make a challenge. In the box. That would be a legitimate challenge. For fear of getting a penalty awarded against them. I don't know John Dillon. If you've seen anything to that effect or not. But. This is a. This is. um, He wants to answer. Sorry, uh, this is a an interesting thing for this season, especially because there are some new rules with the 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 VAR or like the replay system. Yeah, see, I don't know what changed. You know what I mean? I I like. Oh, I, 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 didn't, no, I don't even know that there are rule changes. There was there 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 was a change. So the 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 linesmen are uh, encouraged to not raise their flag uh, for an offsides unless it's absolutely blatant. So if it's checked, they'll allow play to keep going and sometimes all the way up to a goal, ch- a goal chance, you know, 30, 40 seconds of extra play until they finally get the word from the booth that, yeah, that was definitely offsides. Raise your flag now, which in, there's a lot of controversy over that because people can get hurt in those 30, 45 seconds of extra play where they could have just raised the flag back in the day. 
Um, and also because there's been a lot more penalties given that were technically a penalty in the rule book, but never would have been given before. That it was just, it was slight, and it's like, okay, just get up and come on. Unless it's blatant, but now every every little thing is getting called. That's, how, that's kind of the impression that I got, which is why I figured he said, because for me, like the phrasing of it, the way he said he could, he can only dangle a leg for fear of a penalty. Like that's yeah. such a, that's such a hint to passive defending almost. Yes. Um, yeah. I was just curious if you, if that was something that you'd observed over the course of the season or like, cause I, again, I haven't watched soccer in years. I don't And John, you were saying you weren't aware of like anything changing. Well, it's not even that I wasn't aware of anything changing. I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning how this game is played. Right. Like I, I mean, I played as a kid, but you know, I'm, this season is the first time that I've ever actually paid any kind of attention. And even then, even now, like it's not close attention if I'm being perfectly honest, like <laughs> I'm keeping up with it. I'm watching a, a couple matches a week, but you know, I, so I, yeah, I wouldn't notice something like that because that's pretty specific and I would have to have something to compare it to. Right. Fair. That makes sense. Yeah. But so the the last game of this weekend, Aston Villa, uh, West Brom, West Brom had just fired their coach. Yep. Big, uh, f- excuse me, first game underneath the new manager, the old an old face around the league, Big Sam Allardyce, and and they did not do well. They wound up losing three nothing to Aston Villa. I mean, we knew Villa would win, but I I thought it would be gentler. Yeah, and they wound up having to play with ten men for a lot of the second half. West Brom did. Yeah, there was a sending off there. Yeah, there was an early. Uh... Not early, but there was a red card. Yeah. For I mean that that was insane. That tackle. It was like a a kind of the you know the downward force to the side. I mean, he caught him right in the shins. It looked like he was trying to break his ankles. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, he made contact with the ball, and like it was it was close, but it was aggressive. Yeah, it was it was a malicious tackle for sure. There was malicious intent there. Contact uh, with the ball only takes you so far. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're if you're following through and you got your cleats cleats sitting up in the air like that, yeah. your spikes, that's you're asking yeah. to hurt somebody. It's not good. It's not good. Well, that brings us to the end of the matches for the weekend. Eugenio, thank you so much for um for joining us this week. John, did I cut you off? Did you yeah. want to say something? No, no. Oh. No, I'm I'm right here with you. Thank you so much, Eugenio. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Can you um can you tell our listeners a little bit about um about your show? Uh, cooking uh, with yeah. calzones just like when go. they can see it where they can see yeah. it where what the when the where the what the how who, what, why, where when why the, yeah um so it's crazy this is actually the first time i've been asked to describe it out loud <laughs> i mean you did kind of describe it or like yeah at the beginning. Uh, no so uh it's it's every wednesday uh, a platform that i think a lot wednesday. of your listeners may not be very familiar with we do it at 6 30 p.m eastern standard time on a platform called twitch so twitch.tv. Cool. Yeah. Uh, twitch.tv slash huge underscore calzones. I'm sure there'll be a link in the hopefully description Absolutely, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'll link uh, everything for you. We can also find us at www.cookingwithcalzones.com. We do it once a week. I think starting in 2021, we're going to push for two times a week. So one Wednesday show, probably a Sunday show. And lasts about two to three hours normally. Uh, you're obviously not obliged to stay for the whole time. Come in, come out do your thing uh it's it's definitely i think different from any cooking show that people have watched you get to kind of interact with me in real time i'll respond to your questions in real time to your comments to whatever cool um you get to see me cook a bunch of stuff 
So I think the we with the last episode we did, my producers put me under the gun and made me do a chopped style episode. So I had no idea what I was cooking until no, I opened fun. the box. It was a that's lot awesome. of fun. Uh, it was definitely cool. We're uh, we're partnered with a local wine shop down the street here in Harlem who throw me a couple bottles every now and again that I'll taste on stream. It's really it's cool. It's really evolved a lot since we decided to officially launch it as a brand. I started doing this um, for fun, not really for fun. I had to pivot because Barbudo closed and right. we weren't really. I don't. I didn't really see us reopening. Right. And I was starting to go crazy, and I've always streamed. I, I've streamed games for you know years before this. Oh, cool! Um, so I started doing the first episode. I think I did jokingly at like one a.m. I I propped my phone up in front of in front of my stove, and now we've kind of turned it into this cool production. You know, you get like three or four different camera angles. Um, wow, that's great! We've been doing giveaways uh, of either cookbooks that I like, or cast iron pans, or some utensils super um, cool to yeah. get the community a little bit more involved but yeah i mean definitely just follow if you i think you know you follow the tw- we have a twitter we have an instagram um we have a website we have a discord so just follow us on all the things and, and you'll be able to see what we're doing but i think we're really going to start stepping up the game in 2021 we've uh we're taking so our last episode of the season is going to be this wednesday this upcoming wednesday we're going to okay. do like okay. a, a christmas feast so this will actually be yesterday for those listening, because this will probably go up on Thursday. Oh right, yeah. So the yeah. So our last episode was yesterday, <laughs> um, but uh, we're gonna take about a week and a half to sort of hit the reset button. Uh, we'll be episode twenty-five. So we're 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 cool. almost yeah we're like twenty-five. Yeah, twenty-five, man. It's crazy. Wow. It's like six months Holy of episodes. Shit. It's it's actually it's it's surreal the amount of like the support we've gotten from from the community of people that have watched it has been has been earth shattering to me more so than the show itself. And I promise this is the I won't keep you guys any longer. This is the last of my of my ramble. I'm we're attempting we, and I say we now because there is a company of people that work behind this. There's five or six of us that are all working on the show. Uh, we're trying to just foster a community of people that are really excited about food like for me it's not about like i'm not trying to do the cooking show because i want to give you recipes to follow or 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 guidelines i want you to come and watch the show and then take away a sort of mentality from the show yeah which is if you see a recipe i want you to know why salt and fat work why do you need acid so like if you see a recipe and you see like oh i don't have this type of vinegar your brain can go oh i don't have that vinegar but i have this but I can acid, substitute. I it. understand what's going on in the re- like that for me is yeah. the overall goal of the show. Just build a community of people that are excited to cook at home, that want to share it with other people, that want to talk about ingredients. Uh, and, and if people take nothing away from the show other than the fact that cooking for other people is an incredibly vulnerable thing, and if you have the guts to go out and do that and share that with other people, and 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 put yourself out there in that regard, because you're 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 doing stuff that people put in their bodies. Yeah, <clears throat> it, when it, when this when that hit me, like as a as a chef, the only other people that are allowed to do that without pretense are doctors, and they have years of training. And yeah. I'm a nobody who people trust to allow me to put stuff in their bodies. See, uh, people trust me to put things in their bodies, but it is it's intentionally to slightly poison them. Well, but that and yours <laughs> yours are already very sanitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. It's hard See, to get you know, sick from a cocktail. I, well, that's I, not true. 
Well, that's <laughs> but, not true. You're right. It's well, it's not hard to drink so much you throw up, but like you're not going to get food po- unless you unless I make you like an egg white cocktail with like a really old egg. Right. And like you're probably going to be fine. Twitch TV slash cooking with calzones. Huge underscore calzones. Huge underscore calzones. Right, that's I'll make E-U-G- sure to have that. Huge the- E. Huge E. Underscore calzones. Calzones. Huge and, underscore calzones. Yeah, uh, that's also my Instagram. We also have an at cooking with calzones Instagram and a website. But uh, I'll I'll give the double Johns all the uh, all the info, and you guys can check it out in the comments below or just description. Thanks, guys. This was great. Thanks for having me. Seriously, this was a blast. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks here. for coming on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to join us. It's Sunday afternoon. I wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the Three Dumb Yanks podcast. You can find me on Instagram at John Moody, J-O-N-M-O-O-D-I-E. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the John Dillon. That's T-H-E-J-O-H-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. Oh man, I don't have anything as pre-rehearsed as you guys. Uh, you guys can find me on it. Let's just go with Instagram uh, at Cooking with Calzones or at Huge Underscore Calzones. Both work. Once for the show, once for me personally. Uh, but again, thank you guys so much. It was just great to see you guys. Mm, yummy. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram yes, at cool. Three Dumb Yanks. Spell out the number three. Don't just write three. T H R E E. And thanks Dumb for Yanks. listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Delicious food with you, with Eugenio. Yeah. Oh, why? Mm. Why are you making it sound like a like a, mm. like a B grade porno? Eugenio's a sexy Twitch streamer.